Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. If there's one thing in aviation that's emphasized like crazy, it's definitely safety. Today on Aviation Mentors, we're going to talk about some of the most common safety incidents that you experience in aviation while flying and how to correct for them. Safety is a really important uh, thing in aviation because obviously we all want to take off and come back home alive. We also want to make sure that we keep people on the ground safe. We keep our friends and family safe. And as a flight instructor, I want to make sure all of my students are really, really safe when they come back uh, from flying. Safety is something that was absolutely emphasized since day one of my flying career. And while I haven't had too much experience you know, around aviation incidents and accidents, and I have heard of plenty of these happening, I've seen a couple just at our Riverside Airport. One of the most common things that happens when you're flying is going around. And I've had to go around dozens of times while I'm flying, either in training or I've had to actually do a go around, uh, either because of an unsafe or unstable approach or Tower asked me to. There's a little song that annoys Brandon every time I play it, but it's called You Can Always Go Around. And I highly, highly recommend you go listen to it and go find it on YouTube. And every time I go around, that song plays in the back of my head as I go through the procedures for it. So, Mr. Martini, could you walk us through the proper way to go around? Well, the first thing on going around is never be afraid to go around. Um, Just like that horrible little song on YouTube, you can always go around. Uh, So make sure you do. So the proper go-around procedure is really cram and then pitch for climb airspeed and then worry about cleaning up the airplane after. So even if you forget something like the carburetor heat or, or something like that, you can always put that in after you start the go-around process. What you don't want to do is you don't want to uh, do a bunch of unnecessary things that actually impedes the safety of your flight right when you are, are going around. So make sure you cram everything in, which means full power. And then pitch for that climb airspeed and just start getting out of the, uh, away from the ground. After you do that, then you can start worrying about other things. You can start worrying about putting your flaps up, um, one notch at a time, a really common mistake that, that most students do. And uh, I've even seen normal pilots do it. Once who have been flying for a while is, um, they'll put all their flaps up at one time, especially if they've got electric flaps where you just flip a switch and then you forget to put it back in the middle. Well, that's what that's going to do. It's going to reduce the amount of lift that you actually have at that given airspeed, and you're going to start sinking. And if you start sinking too low and you don't have enough airspeed too low to the ground, you are going to hammer into the ground. Um, and you're going to hurt the gear of the airplane. You might hurt yourself, or you might even crash the airplane. So you want to make sure you're careful with that. Another thing is when you want to go around, um, you can do it at any time. I don't care if you are on a five-mile final. You can go around. That might be a little bit extreme, but you can still do it. Uh, if you're on a one-mile final, quarter-mile final, half-mile final, if you are over the runway, if you bounced, if you porpoised, any of those things, you can always go around. Um, there's very few instances where you cannot go around. Uh, one might be where you don't have uh, significant power to um, to go around, like you have an engine issue, um, or if you're a, a single-engine aircraft that doesn't have climb performance on a single engine. Um, those are times where you can't go around, uh, but I would say the vast majority, 99.9% of the time, you can go around. So make sure you do. Um, all it's going to do is elongate your flight five more minutes. It really doesn't take that long to do a lap in the pattern. 
Uh, some other common times to go around is, hey, somebody just entered the runway at a non-towered field or even a towered field, uh, and they didn't realize you were on short final. Go around. Uh, that also means if there's somebody on that runway taking off or just landed, make sure that you offset a little bit. Offset to the right or to the left, depending on where, where you're at in your airport. Uh, make sure you don't fly right over it. Make sure you can keep that person in your sight uh, the whole time that you're doing your go-around. And to go-around should be used often and actually practice often in addition to that. Uh, I know a lot of private pilots, commercial pilots, they don't they don't practice go-arounds, but I'll tell you this, uh, they do practice go-arounds in the airlines, they practice go-arounds um, in flight school, they practice go-arounds all the time. And it's actually in the ACS as a an item that they have to check and several um, syllabus as well. So make sure you practice go-arounds. It sounds so simple and so easy, but if you don't do it right, you can end up hurting yourself. So make sure you go around. And speaking of go-arounds, one thing that usually leads to a go-around, especially as a student pilot, it's a really common mistake and something that we see pretty often unstable approaches and landings, and especially in a 172, is porpoising. And there's a number of things that could lead to you porpoising on a landing, and we have all been there at least once during our training. Brandon likes to say I've done it more than once, but only once, I promise. And even during a hard landing when we are absolutely white knuckling it and land particularly rough and and, uh, touch the ground a little bit too hard. Brandon, where do you see students go wrong that usually leads them to porpoising? Uh, Typically, it's too much power or putting in power at the the wrong time in your landing uh, or putting in power in general. Uh, All porpoising is, it's excess energy uh, that that wasn't needed for your landing, so to speak. Um, Or you pulled back too hard and you ended up not bleeding off airspeed at the same exact level you were close to the ground. Say you're two feet above the ground and you're bleeding off airspeed. Um, What you're actually doing is you're pulling back too hard. And since you have that excess airspeed, you're actually climbing again. Um, And you may only climb 10 or 15 feet, but that 10 or 15 feet will actually slow you down a lot. And then the only way to get that back is to push the nose down. And then it ends up being back and forth, back and forth, and you end up porpoising. So up and down, up and down over the runway. Well, the problem with this is you're eventually losing airspeed at some point. Now, if you get really lucky, you'll lose airspeed when you're super close to the ground. But more often than not, you're not going to lose airspeed when you're really close to the ground because that's when you're pushing down you're actually most likely going to lose airspeed at the top of that porpoise, which is actually going to cause you to stall or stall spin 5, 10, 15, 20 feet, 30 feet above the runway at the highest. And obviously that's not going to be a good thing. So if you do start porpoising down the runway, the best option is the same as our last little segment, and that is to go around. Is there a way to fix it? Yes. But as a student, should you fix a, a porpoise? Absolutely not. Do not try to fix a porpoise. Just go around. Um, As a flight instructor or somebody who's flown the particular aircraft that you're training in for a long period of time, what we're normally able to do is put enough airspeed in uh, by pitch and power to climb a little bit, maintain, now get yourself back on a very stabilized approach 30 feet above the runway, and then make it a normal landing. And that's what we do as flight instructors. And that's how we can fix your mistakes. We just put it back into flying like normal and then we land like normal. There's no fixing a porpoise or anything like that. It's turning the airplane back into flying normal and then landing normal. Um, Have I ever porpoised? Absolutely. I'm definitely probably not as good as Carson considering he says he's only done one porpoise in his life. Uh, But I've, I've done several porpoises before and I've done them even after 
to become a flight instructor. And um, it's normally just because you're not paying attention to, to something and you're, you're thinking about something somewhere else. Um, they don't happen often, uh, but, but they happen. So if they do happen, just make sure you go around always. And I, I believe I've talked about it before, but during my flight training, I had a wall with my landings. I just was having a rough time landing and it happened after I was flying solo and I had porpoise and, and had to do a go around and I just got in my head about it. That I was afraid of porpoising again, but there's nothing to be afraid of. Just go around and start over. And if you continue the porpoise and don't fix it or don't go do a go around, it can lead to a prop strike. And a prop strike is a really serious thing. It's exactly what it sounds like. When you're landing and come down, essentially nose first, the propeller is lower than the rest of the plane and it makes contact with the runway. And that can lead to some serious damage to the propeller and engine. And your first instinct when you see one or hear one is the plane needs to come back to the ramp. It needs to get maintenance right now. It needs to stop flying. That engine needs to be turned off. And although it seems a little strange, I've heard plenty of stories where the pilots get freaked out and do a go around after a prop strike, leading them flying with a bent propeller. And that's super unsafe and something that absolutely shouldn't happen. And Brandon, what are some things that pilots do either in their approach or when they're landing that leads to a prop strike, aside from the porpoising we just talked about? Well, really a porpoise is the number one reason why a prop strike will happen. But the secondary reason, if you're flying something with a a complex aircraft with a retractable landing gear, people will forget to put the landing gear down. Uh, So I'm going to go with that one as the probably the number one cause of a prop strike. Uh, Make sure that you're doing your gumps check and you're following your checklist. Um, Some people call it B gumps. Some people have it gump SS. It kind of depends. Um, Putting your gear down is the most important thing when you're, when you're landing an airplane, Uh, unless you, unless there's some extenuating circumstance, like, like ditching in water or something of that nature, then obviously you want to have your gear up um, in that controlled crash that you're, you're happening. Um, But no matter what, you're going to get a prop strike there anyway. So it wouldn't really matter. Unless you're in the icon or something with a with a pusher prop, that's for sure. We haven't talked about the icon in a couple episodes. I felt like we should probably mention it. Of course we should. It's the icon. <laughs> but besides that, uh, but really the most common way to like prop strike a, a single engine fixed gear airplane is the porpoise that we just talked about. And guess what? The same exact thing to fix it is applicable. Just go around. Uh, I don't know if everybody's noticing it, but we have a very common theme today and it's going around. And that's because it's probably the easiest and most effective thing you can do to eliminate porpoising, or it doesn't really eliminate porpoising, but to stop your porpoise from occurring further um, and make sure you don't have a prop strike. And Carson's right. If you're flying with a bent propeller, that's not safe. It's not going to be a good thing. So a lot of people will porpoise three, four times down the runway, actually hit their propeller and then go around. Granted, that's probably the safest option for them to do at that point, but it's not a it's not a, a fantastic thing. Now you're flying with a damaged engine, damaged propeller. Um, you could have a catastrophic failure any time after that. So the best thing to do is to try to avoid it um, in the first place, and that is by going around. If you do ever have a prop strike from either forgetting to put the gear down or porpoising too hard uh, or too much, and then and then hitting your gear on the ground. Um, it costs a lot of money. You're going to have to do at least a prop strike inspection on the motor. Uh, that can be anywhere from, from 10 to 50,000 on single engine airplanes. And typically you're going to most likely just overhaul the motor at that point, unless it's like brand new. 
the insurance company will normally only pay for a prop overhaul. So if you do want, I'm sorry, not a prop overhaul, but they'll, uh, they'll pay for a, a prop strike inspection, not a full engine overhaul. If you do want to spend the extra money for the engine overhaul, it could be another five, 10, 15, $20,000 for the full engine overhaul. Um, which just might be necessary also kind of depends on how hard and if the crank dials out, things like that. Uh, also, if you forget to put the gear down, you're going to have some other issues. You're going to have the whole belly of the airplane. It could have caught on fire and it could be a total loss. There's a, there's a lot of, of things that could have happened. You want to try to avoid this prop strike altogether. And the best way to do that is always to go around. And I've seen a couple planes, um, you know, whatever airport we fly into, there's usually a plane or two that has had a prop strike and it's pretty much just sitting there abandoned because the owners just can't pay for the cost. So going around, seriously, just the best way you're, you're about to land. Just don't land. It's, it's a simple solution to pretty much all the issues that you face on landings. Just don't land, try it again. And unless you're pilot Maggie, who I don't know if you haven't heard, has a really famous story about her wheel that fell off on a solo flight. She was just 17 years old. But unless you're pilot Maggie, when you're flying a fixed gear airplane, you typically don't worry about your gear being down. And typically after your private pilot certificate, you begin to fly, or at least you have the option to fly, complex aircraft and receive your complex endorsement. And a complex aircraft has retractable landing gear, a constant speed propeller, and retractable flaps. And the one we want to focus on today is the retractable landing gear. So while the retractable gear aircraft typically fly faster just because they have less drag than those with fixed gear, you don't have all that air going against the gear, creating drag, it's also another moving part that has the ability to fail. And there's the potential the gear can either get stuck up, down, or somewhere in between. So Brandon, there was that one time I flew the Arrow after it had some gear maintenance, and you gave me quite a bit of advice in preparation for that flight. I, I was the test pilot for that one. <laughs> Do you remember the advice you gave me in case the gear was stuck in any position I didn't want it to be? Yep, absolutely. And it's not just advice that I gave you, it's procedures that I gave you in case the gear doesn't doesn't work. Now, after you flew that uh, airplane that one day, it already had gear going up and down on the ground. We've done it. We did it. I don't know. I think Rich normally does 10 times. Uh, he wants to make sure the gear is going to work and he does emergency gear extensions on the ground. He does all those things on the ground. So when you go fly, it's really just kind of a, we need to make sure that a private pilot or better flies the airplane before, before anybody else uh, uses it. Right. Uh, but it's doing the emergency gear extension. Now you want to look at uh, the airplane that you're flying and see what their emergency gear extension is. Uh, but first off, you want to try to put the gear down. If you get three green, fantastic. Your gear is now down. If you don't get three green, uh, then you want to uh, check some lights, make sure that maybe the light bulbs are just burnt out. So I know on a Piper Arrow, at least you can actually pull the little green lights and you can switch them uh, in other uh, circuits. So you can actually test to see, oh, that light bulb was out or even in some arrows and some other airplanes. Actually, if you have the panel lights all the way up, like you're flying at night and it's daytime, it actually dims the light. So it doesn't blind you at night, but during the day, they look so dim. They don't even look like your gear is down. So I know a few people that have thought their gear wasn't down and they went through all the procedures and motions and caused, um, Cause trucks to come like fire trucks to come to the airport and stuff. And it's all because their lights were turned all the way up, which dimmed their lights on their gear. So you want to be careful with that too. But, um, after you, you put that down, you do your emergency gear extension. And let's say you don't have three green lights still. Um, you can actually fly by a tower, go to a towered airport and go fly by and ask them if your gear is down. And if you're in the middle of, um, a, a small 
uh, small town area in the middle of the country or something, and you don't have a towered airport even close by at all, um, call people on the ground and tell them, hey, you want to do a slow flyby, uh, and you want them to tell you if your gear is down. That's a really important thing. You need to, to have somebody try to visually check for you. And, uh, and if your gear is not down or it's not coming down and you've tried to put it down in every which way possible, um, you should actually go fly until your fuel is extremely low. Um, I want you to barely have any fuel left and then you're going to, well, you're going to declare the emergency, go fly around an airport, generally one that you can have services at. So probably a towered airport that can have emergency services there, things like that, because you're going to declare an emergency and you're going to, you're going to want to land with that gear up on a, on a, probably an asphalt runway. And you want to make sure that if there's a fire, you're getting saved very, very quickly. Um, and that you can get out. So make sure you do your emergency gear extension, make sure you do your emergency landing procedures, uh, make sure you're doing all of that stuff. If you're, if you're over water, I, I wouldn't necessarily land in water, so to speak, because there's a lot of other hazards, um, unless it's a seaplane and, uh, that's a little different. I would probably land in, in grass or, or on a, or on a runway, most likely. It kind of depends on the situation, what kind of airplane, et cetera. Uh, but just expect the plane to kind of veer to, to one side or the other, most likely, uh, expect the plane to possibly catch on fire, expect all those things. But that's the reason why we practice all these emergency gear extensions. And more often than not, the gear is actually going to work. Um, it's going to go up and down. Uh, and also, if you do the emergency gear extension, like in the arrow, you actually have to release the hydraulic pressure and the gear actually falls down. And in the POH, it actually says to yaw the aircraft back and forth just to make sure it locks in place. Um, so if you do that, you'll get your three green lights and and everything will be be a happy day, which is really nice. Another thing I actually do as a flight instructor to all of my students, um, when we're working on their complex endorsement, I'll be flying around and this will be on, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth lesson, depending on how quickly they catch on to everything, sometimes even sooner. We really hammer the the putting the gear down thing to the students. So I will do a norm. Now everyone's going to know what my, what I MO is when I do this. So, um, I'll, uh, I'll go around and we'll do steep turns and I'll have them looking or turns around a point or something. And I'll look and I'll have them look to the left and I'll be in the right seat and I'm just going to pull that circuit breaker. And, uh, that way they don't even know, uh, that the, the gear's not going to work. And then I say, okay, let's, let's do a simulated emergency landing. And, uh, and they'll try to put the gear down and then some people freak out very quickly and I do it on purpose to let them know, Hey, we need to do our checklist. And, Part, part of that checklist is typically checking to see if uh, if the circuit breakers are put in. So it's a really it's a really good thing. Yeah, Brian has told me of a, a couple of funny stories of, of students just getting pretty uh, pretty nervous about it after he's done that to them, and it really hammers in that lesson of knowing every way to get your gear down and preparing for the worst that can happen. And although we like to talk about all the great parts of flight training and all the the glamorous and the fun parts of it, uh, it is still worth talking about the things that can go wrong, but aviation is an incredibly safe industry to be in. Flying is super safe. We have an agency of the government that tries to make it safer every day. Uh, while we do have accidents and incidents, we do everything we can to rigorously prepare for anything that can happen. And anytime we get an airplane, we really hope for just an awesome flight, but we have to accept the reality that things can go wrong. And every time you start that engine and line up with the runway and take off, you accept that possibility. 
And we hope you feel a little bit more aware and a little more prepared for some of the common things that can go wrong during your aviation career. But remember, just as that song says, you can always go around. And I'm going to remind everybody, make sure you go to YouTube and go listen to the video. Actually watch it too. It's kind of comical. Uh, It shows you all the things that you should not do on landing or not going around. But as always, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us on Twitter or Instagram. For me, it's at Mr. Martini Guy. And for Carson, it's at Carson underscore AV17. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. Thanks, guys.